Okay, morning. So, I got given this on my way in, and it says HS2 on the front. I thought, <laughs> limb sponsored by the new billion pound rail scheme. Obviously, a lot of people looking forward to getting to London 40 minutes quicker than you do at the moment. So, um, I'll just introduce myself. Um, it's always great to be here. I'm Jonathan. I'm the minister at the People's Church uh, in Partington. And uh, I'm, I'm the minister there two-thirds time. I work one-third time for the Northwestern Baptist Association. Uh, I'm married to Caroline. We've got three kids. And since I was last here, we've acquired a cat as well. So we've got a little picture of him. There he is. Just for those who like to keep up with, with things. So this is, uh, this is Lloyd. And uh, we the thing was, we acquired some mice. So... We had to acquire a cat. We tried all the humane traps. We tried all the inhumane traps. And the only thing that would get rid of them was borrowing a mouse, uh, borrowing a cat. So when the mice came back, we said, if that ever happens again, we're going to get a cat. So this is Lloyd. The, the mice have gone. The cat's still with us. It's all good. Um, and it's good to be, be here. I love what you've done with the place. Uh, it feels like I'm in the middle of an episode of Grand Designs or something a little bit. I'm sort of waiting for uh, Kevin McLeod to come round the corner and and say this is nice in a really long, eloquent way. Um, but you've got some new new doors. Good builders. Good builders. Yeah. Uh, new offices. New offices on the way in as well. Bit of blue at the back. This was white, I think, last time I was here. Uh, new, new room over there. You've got a lift. You've got a lift since I was last here, yeah? I was thinking about this earlier. I was thinking you could have some fun, couldn't you, with potential new church members. You could do church meetings, make it a bit more interesting in the style of Take Me Out. So, <laughs> potential new church members come down the lift with their favourite worship song on. <laughs> they come here, tell them a about, bit about themselves. No likey, no lighty. <laughs> Sorted. Um, you might be thinking, who's this idiot and what's he doing here? Um, but it's good to be with you. I'm going to kind of uh, have a bit of a brain unload this morning, but I hope it helps. I hope it blesses you. And, uh, you know, I pray that this building, as it is renovated, will be a really fruitful resource for you as a church. Uh, you know this anyway, but the church is not the building. The church is the people, isn't it? Uh, the building is just the place, the very, you know, the really nicely renovated place where the church meets. The church is the people. It's the people of God, family on mission, uh, brothers and sisters. However good the building is, the people are the most important thing. Yeah, the people are the most important thing. The purpose of the building is to facilitate you being the church and reaching the lost. I've seen loads of buildings over the years that have barely any people in them. Now I know that's not the problem here. I know that, uh, you know, you're already pretty full. So yeah, you might need more space in the future. You might need more spaces, uh, if you are to be the church and reach the lost. Um, but I know there's a lot of stuff that goes on in a building project, renovation, upgrades, and it can be uh, easy to get lost in all that. It could be easy to get sidetracked in all that, overwhelmed by stuff, 
logistics, colour schemes, budgets, opinions, room bookings, uh, minor details that you didn't know were a problem until you're halfway through. And you're trying to juggle everything and keep it all going while doing the building. It's hard. It can be hard, can't it? And, you know, I pray for the people leading the stuff that's been going on, that they would be blessed by the church in what's going on. I know even just from the stuff we've done in our church building where we put a new flat roof on and a new toilet in and it lasted a couple of weeks, but it's hard. And as you approach the end of the building project, you know, it's not the end. That's the good news. It's not the end. It's not that we've arrived, the building is complete. Actually, when the building project is complete, that's the beginning of the next phase of you being the church and reaching the lost. And the simple message that I hope I can get across this morning is that the most important thing is the people. Don't get too fixated or sidetracked on buildings and stuff because the most important thing is the people. Uh, in the Old Testament, they had the temple, didn't they? They had the building. What a building. It was glorious. It was majestic. It pointed to the glory of God. It's the place where God's presence dwelt. But in Jesus' death and resurrection, that all changed. The presence of God that had dwelt in the building now dwells in the people of God, in the body. Paul writes to the church in Corinth a few times reminding them of this. 1 Corinthians 3.16, he says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? 1 Corinthians 6.19, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? I'm not saying that the building isn't important, but the people are the most important thing. You can be a thriving church without a building. You can be, can't you? You can be a thriving church without the building. But you can't be a thriving church without the people. Without reaching the lost. The people are the most important thing. And there's two aspects of this that I want to explore. The first is the people here today, the church. And then the people who are not here, those who have not yet responded to the good news of Jesus. Because this building, as great as it is, it's about how we are as the church and how we reach those around us. Those are the two things that count. I want to start in Acts 2, verse 42 onwards. Uh, You may have heard this passage before. In fact, if you were here last time I preached, you definitely heard it before. Because I used this passage a year ago. I only realized that too late. Um, But it's still important. And there's a different preach. So don't worry, it is a different preach. Um, Acts 2.42, the community of the first believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. As I say, I know I preached on this passage a year ago. I'm not going to repeat it because that would just be, it would just be morally wrong, wouldn't it? Be morally wrong. Um, But just a brief recap, within this picture, 
of the first church, we see a community of faith uh, with the following characteristics or hallmarks. They are a community of friendship and fellowship. So they meet together regularly, daily it says. They eat together. They break bread together. They take communion together. Uh, They're a community of generosity, sharing their stuff with one another, selling their stuff to give to those who had need. Responding where there's need. They're a community of the word and the spirit. Teaching and gifts. Signs and wonders. They're a community of worship and prayer. We see you know, these things in the early church. Friends sharing life together. Praying together. Worshipping together. And they're a community of salvation. You know, we read at the end of that little paragraph. The Lord added to their number daily. Those who were being saved. They were a community where people came to faith. Salvation. As a picture of the early church community. Wouldn't that be brilliant? Wouldn't that be amazing if that was a description of our churches? The community of uh, believers that we build. Because here is the other possible description. Slightly tongue in cheek. Those who were available came to services when they could. They met together weekly, but rarely shared life at a deep level. Their challenges, struggles, and joys. They gathered for 90 minutes each Sunday, and they enjoyed it. And I'm sure that's not a description of this church here. I'm sure it's not. But as God's people, we are called, aren't we, to be the church. All the time, every day. To not just gather Once a week for 90 minutes when we can. There is more to church than this. Picture that irresistible community of faith described in Act 2. Friendship, generosity, unity, hospitality, prayer, regular contact and salvation. How we are as the church really matters. How would you describe your church community? You don't need to shout out, but it's it's a question. How would you describe your church community? Does it look anything like some of the things that we see in in the Acts church? Using that picture of the early church as a springboard, I'm reminded of the words of Jesus that he prayed for his followers in John 17. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's massive. uh, But here's a chunk of it. Jesus' prayer for the believers. I'm starting at verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone, that is the first disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. Because we believe through their message, haven't we? That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me. That they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. So they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me. uh, And have loved them even as you have loved me. It is amazing, I think, to think that Jesus' prayer was for the unity of his people. Not just for the sake of unity, because it's a good thing, and it is a good thing, 
but for the sake of God's mission and the kingdom, that the world would know who Jesus is by our love and unity as the church. That the world would know that Jesus lives by how we be church with each other. The world is watching us, isn't it? How we are as the church is a big deal. It is a representation of God's love to the world. How we are as God's people to one another and in the world around us is a massive thing. We're Christ's ambassadors in the world. It really, really matters. Because people will come to a renovated building. And I'm sure they will come, you know, because people like to have a look when something's been done up, don't they? They like to have a look. People will come to a renovated building, but they will not be drawn here and remain here because of how good the lift is. They will not be drawn here based on this beautiful glass door that means we can now see into the sanctuary. They will not be drawn here based on the new improved office space. They will be drawn here and stay here because of the love of God's people. The love that you have for each other and that you have for them. They'll be drawn here and stay here because of the presence of the Spirit that is here. The friendship, the fellowship, the generosity, the life of the Spirit of God. These are the things that make people want to be part of a church. How are you doing at loving each other? How are you doing at fellowship and friendship and generosity? How are you doing at unity as the body? Are there people that we need to get right with? There's a visiting speaker, you can ask that question, can't you? Because you don't know what's going on in people's lives. But are, you know, are there people that you need to get right with? The health of the body is not defined by the building, but by the people. How are you doing at being the body? The people who are the church is important, but also the people who are not yet part of the church. Because we, the church, exist to reach those who are not yet the church with the good news of Jesus. We exist not simply for our own building up, but to proclaim and share the good news of Jesus, to be salt in the earth, a city on a hill, a lamp on a stand. Not under a bowl, on a stand. Have you ever had bad customer service? This is what the slide relates to. Have you ever had bad customer service? Yeah, oh yes. The people of Lim. And it doesn't matter how amazing any building is, If you get bad customer service, you're probably never going back there again. And you're going to let everybody around you know how terrible your experience was. You know, you might put some passive-aggressive posts on Facebook. Had such a terrible time at that house or that restaurant or whatever, that shop. We let people know, don't we? We let people know. If you get good customer service you are so more likely to go back, but also to recommend that place to others. But here's the thing, we are God's customer services. We're God's customer services to the watching world, to our work colleagues, to our neighbours, to those who are coming into this building. 
we are a representation of Jesus to them. How we are with each other and with those we interact with is a massive deal. That the world would know God is real by our love and unity and how we are the church. All Christians are called to make disciples. We don't leave that up to the professional evangelists or the ordained ministers. We are all called to evangelize. A big part of that is the life we live. But it doesn't stop at how we are. In Acts 1, uh, we read of Jesus telling the disciples that they will be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of the earth. And we remember the words of the Great Commission too. Jesus said this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We're all called to make disciples. And we're all called to be witnesses for Jesus. Well, what does a witness do? A witness says what they see. Yeah? It's like being on catchphrase. That's how I remember it. Say what you saw. Testify to what has happened. Even if you feel like the least confident evangelist in the world, we all have a story of what Jesus has done in our lives. And no one can take that from you. We all can testify to what God has done in me. And we are all called to pick up that great commission and to go and make disciples. There are people in your life. You are in their life for such a time as this. To share the good news of Jesus with them. There are people you know. And you are the only representation of Jesus that that they see. You are the only connection to faith that they have. And you are in their lives and they've been brought into yours for such a time as this that you could be the light to them. That you could share the good news with them. So be on God's mission where you are. In your workplace, in your street, at the school gate, at the coffee house, at the spread eagle, Wherever you are at, go into the world and make disciples. And there's an intentionality in going, isn't there? There's an intentionality in going. It's not just us waiting here and going, come on in. We've got a new office space. We've got a lift. It's about us going into the world with the good news. Teaching people to obey the teaching of Jesus. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Simple yet terrifying. Here we all are, called to go into all the world and make disciples. What a privilege. What a privilege that God would give us the words of life. That God would give us the story of hope for all the world. Entrust it to us and then commission us to go with the good news and share that good news. Share it with people whose eternities are lost without it. I still believe that. If we don't believe it, we might as well all go home. 
We are called to be the church and reach the lost. The people of God were chosen in the Old Testament, weren't they? To be a light to all nations. To draw the nations to God. That was their purpose, wasn't it? The um, the disciples, the first disciples, the apostles, they were chosen to go and reach the nations. It wasn't, you've been chosen, just stay there and have a great time. Chosen to reach those around and to go into all the world. Bless you. And that's where we can get ourselves tied up in knots a little bit, isn't it? Because it's easy for me to say this from my lectern, go into the world and make disciples. But what does this look like in real life? What does this look like in our workplace? What does this look like in our school gates? And what we're saying uh, in Partington is actually let's try to be a little bit more intentional about living those seven or eight characteristics that we saw that we see in act two let's try and live those things out in our daily lives and in the places that god has put us so fellowship and friendship meeting regularly eating with people breaking bread generosity we we can be generous people can't we wherever we go i mean we can be stingy or we can be generous but how we are is a representation of god We can be people of the word and the spirit. We can live by the word in our workplaces. We can bring the life of the spirit into our workplaces. We can worship and pray in these places. You know, we're really good at doing this in the building, aren't we? Christians are great at doing this stuff in the building. But we are called to be the church outside the building. And if we live these things naturally in our everyday lives, we will reach those around us. We don't need to become weird. The truth is they think we're weird already because we said we're Christians. We just need to be authentic in living out our faith. Be a person of generosity in the workplace. Be a person of truth and justice. Be a person of honesty and integrity. Be a person who rejects gossip and slander. Be a person who looks out for the hurting. Be a person who brings God to where you are. In the last couple of weeks, I've had opportunities, not through being a minister, just through being a Christian, to pray with someone who's been suffering from anxiety. And I know him, not from church, he's not from church, but he's just not been around as much. I'm just saying, how are you doing? I'm just getting into a conversation saying, look, I'm a Christian, could I pray with you? I've been able to share some other stuff with someone else. And it's, it's not by being a minister, it's just by looking for the opportunities that God gives you. And trying to step into those. Be a person who brings God to where you are. Live the Christ-centered life and let that spill out into you every day. There are different starting points with the people around us, but you know there are always opportunities to share God's love. We see this in the New Testament as well. Uh, sometimes we, we have conversations where people say, how do we make disciples? And I, I am more and more convinced that it's not about a conveyor belt. You, know, you can't just put people at the start of a conveyor belt and go, right, well, they'll, they'll do that, and then they'll do that course, and then they'll get baptized, and then they'll become a member, and then they'll start giving, and then, do you know what I mean, it just carries on like, then they'll start serving. 
whatever. I mean, it would be nice if there was a conveyor belt, wouldn't it? But I don't think there is a conveyor belt for everyone. There was no set order in the New Testament to how people came to faith. But there were different ways in. And the people of God fearlessly taking the opportunities that presented them. So for some in Acts, the first encounter with a Christian uh, was teaching. They heard teaching. You know, that was the first thing that people heard. Whether that was with Peter on the day of Pentecost or Paul and everyone crowded in a room and then Paul going on for quite a while and a person falling out the window. Um, For others, it was a miracle. You know, for others, they saw a miracle and that was their first experience of, of faith. For others, it was regular contact. Disciples in prison living like Christ followers. In prison, but worshipping God, praising, praying, and holding on to their faith in the rubbish. All these ingredients come together in us growing disciples and reaching those around us. We see it in the life of Jesus too. For some, their first encounter with Jesus was his teaching. For some, their first encounter with Jesus was a miracle. For some, their first encounter with Jesus was eating with him. And him saying, I'm coming to your house for dinner. Different ways in, not a conveyor belt, but different ways in. And then a life of faith and the love of God shared. I I think of it a bit like the underground. You know, it's not a conveyor belt. But let's just imagine that faith in God is that middle dot on the red line. There's different ways in, isn't there? There's different ways in. Every person you meet with is at a different starting point, will have their different issues with church, will have their different issues with God, and will have their different stuff they're wrestling with. But they're on your line. And you carry the good news of Jesus. Look for a way in. Ask God for opportunities. How can I reach these people with the good news? Because it does involve speaking. And it does involve living it. And it does involve those things that we see in Acts. Generosity. The word. The spirit. Community. For those we relate to. For those we want to reach. It might involve us getting a bit more intentional about living out and bringing the Acts 2 elements into our daily lives and the places we find ourselves. Who do I need to eat with? Who do I need to look out for? Who haven't I seen for a bit? And I just need to let them know that God cares. And that I care because God cares. Who can I share my story with? How can I share my story with them? Who do I need to make an hour for just to see how they're doing and offer to pray? Who do I need to be praying for? I mean, sometimes we're scared, aren't we, to even say, I'm praying for you. Sometimes people really need to know that someone's praying for them. When no one else cares. You know, obviously, um, Caroline Flack took her own life yesterday, didn't she? Off the telly. And you sort of think, I wonder if she knew, some of you going, who's Caroline Flack, don't worry. But, you sort of think, I wonder if she knew any Christians. I wonder if she knew anyone who had faith. And I wonder if anyone reached out in faith. I don't know the answer. Who do I need to reach out to and just go, are you alright? Because I care. 
Who needs to know the power of the Holy Spirit in their situation right now? A seemingly impossible situation. But you carry the presence of God and the power of God. And we believe in a God of miracles, don't we? And if there's all this rubbish going on, we could actually, there's a God who loves you and I want to pray for you about that. Can I pray with you and for you? How do I bring the life of God into their thing? Who is broken and how can I bring God's hope into a situation? If we're a bit more intentional with how we be the church and how we be God's ambassadors in the world, I reckon we'll see loads of things happen. I reckon we'll see fruit. I reckon we'll see people come to faith. We'll see lives changed. You'll see families changed. Take courage. Step out. My prayer for this church is as this building goes to the next level, just as this building does that, that actually you as a church would do the same. In your love for each other, in your community and fellowship, in your mission and outreach, that it would all go to the next level. That God could do immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine because of his great power at work. Where's it at work? In us. In you. In the church. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your love for every one of us here. Thank you that Jesus died for our sin. That we are forgiven. That we're saved by grace. I thank you, God, for the privilege of being commissioned with your good news. God, I pray for this church here that their love for you and for each other would grow. God, that this church would be famous for its loving community. That this church would be uh, known for its warm welcome, for its irresistible community, for the life of the Spirit present here. And God, I pray for all of us here. God, that you would uh, fill us afresh with your Spirit. That you'd pour your Spirit on us and into us. And that we would go into this world with boldness and with courage to reach those around us. God, show us those people who are in our lives, that are in our lives so that we can reach them with the good news. God, give us courage to step out in faith. Give us courage to speak up in faith. Give us courage to not be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation. God, I pray for each of us here that you'd give us opportunities in this coming week and that we would come back here. I won't come back here, but that everyone else would come back here next week rejoicing because of what you have done in and through them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.